0: Hi, I'm Janine, and this is Outside the Box. Standing by to join me are Luna and Tommy, and they're calling in from West Virginia University. We're going to talk about mental health, depression, trauma, and a whole lot more, especially since we have been coping with the mental health pandemic for the past three years. And I was really intrigued by their work, and I wanted to have them on. So welcome. Thank you.
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks for having us. Luna, why don't we start with you? Could you tell me um, a little bit about what you're, you're doing at the university and your, your interests?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a third year PhD student and I'm getting my degree in sports psychology. Uh, that's the PhD degree. And then I'm also studying to become a clinical mental health counselor. Uh, and so part of my training is to do um Applied work as a therapist, and then also applied work as a mental performance consultant. And so, in our third year is when we start doing uh, more of applied stuff. So I'm at that point now. Uh, so I work at athletics as a therapist. Um, that's part of my internship, and then I'm also getting trained in EMDR, which is a trauma uh, therapy yeah. modality, uh, okay. and so I'm getting experience with that as well. Uh, yeah, and so my interests in general are, you know student-athlete well-being overall, uh, but my research has been focused lately on Gen Z uh, experiences during the pandemic. Uh, That's like the big study that I'm wrapping up now and then hopefully uh, starting my dissertation soon. That's great. And you uh, were a rower on Division Two
0: team, correct?
2: Yeah, uh, I rode in college. And um, that's how I came to America. I'm originally from uh, Serbia. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first introduction to uh, this side of the world, <laughs> which was very fun. I rode in uh, a Barry University, which is in Miami, Florida. And mm-hmm. so that's where I spend most of my time until I moved here. So
0: did you row a lot growing up?
2: Yeah. Uh, so I started rowing in middle school and then um, throughout high school, and that's where I was recruited um, for an athletic scholarship. That's great.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Tell me, what yeah. about you? Tell me about your role and your interests.
1: Before I go into my role, I want to toot Luna's horn a little bit more. She is also a national champion. So <laughs> she, she didn't mention that. She's, uh-huh. not, she's a <laughs> <laughs> So not only, yeah, she was a. A, a great, uh, a great therapist, but also a great, uh, a great college exactly.
2: student. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah. Luna and I uh, have become very close over the last three years, um, both being in the sports psych program. Um, I'm also a third year um, PhD student um, and also in the master's in counseling program. Um, and I, I work at a local university, a small division two university Fairmont state university has a uh, clinical mental health, Uh, counseling intern. So similar to Luna, I see um, mostly non-student athletes, just Mm -hmm. students from the general population um, in both individual and group settings. Um, I also work with several teams and my interests are kind of um, very, very much rooted in mindfulness and mindfulness-based interventions. Um, And I'm working on my dissertation right now, looking at um, what like what contributes to change essentially in in mindfulness interventions and looking at how uh, trauma and PTSD contributes to mindfulness intervention effectiveness, um, among other things, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Really
0: fascinating. Now, did both of you um, kind of redesign your research based on the pandemic or was this an interest before some of it?
1: My interests have definitely evolved um, as the pandemic has as the pandemic has evolved. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, one thing that I noticed, um, in doing, doing some work at the university, um, and seeing, seeing clients is just how many, how many people are coming in with, um, with traumatic experiences and with complex trauma and sexual trauma. And it's, um, it's being talked about, but I mean, definitely not enough, definitely not enough among athletes. Um, and just what that does to, I mean, performance is one thing, but just to well-being. And performance and well-being, I really think, are two sides of the same coin. So Sure.
0: Do you think it's because of the mentality of, oh, I've got to be tough and strong and keep going and I'm an athlete and like you're not supposed to crumble or or be vulnerable and be open?
1: I think there's part of that like lingering effect. Mm-hmm. Um and and, and Luna has a lot of experience there at the Division One level that she can talk about. But I, I definitely, um, I mean, I, I was a coach. I coached Division Three lacrosse before I started um, this program. And I noticed that that paradigm was starting to change then. So my last year was 2019. And I noticed that um, our, our administration, just they, they invited counselors over to talk to coaches. And there was a bigger emphasis on like mental health first aid, which. Um, it's great. When I was a student athlete um, seven or eight years ago, that wasn't, I don't think that was happening. We weren't having those conversations and they're starting to happen now. So while I think there is some of that, like, you need to be tough mentality, I'm noticing that it's starting to change.
2: Good. That's really good. Luna, what are you seeing? Yeah, I would definitely second everything Tommy is saying. And I think the big shift is starting to happen from the top down. So as we're seeing those professional athletes and elite athletes um, speak up about their, their personal experiences and, mm-hmm. and experiences of their teammates. I think we're starting to also see the trickle down effects to, you know, um, NCAA teams, but also youth. And, and we're starting to see. That, like Tommy was saying, it's it's the same thing. You can't really be a good performer if you're not doing well overall. Right. Um, and so I think that's a big part of the the value in mental health that we're seeing now. And for instance, the private practice where I work at, I still see athletes. Um, and so we do both, which I think is a cool thing about our degree. That once we graduate, we also were a therapist and mental performance consultant. So we're really marrying the two things that feel in a way natural to, to, you know, be used together. And so a a whole brain, that's what I'm seeing now is that these things go hand in hand and rarely you have an athlete who is struggling with performance. who doesn't have any mental health things that can be improved.
0: Yeah. And I always feel when I tell people in the work I do is you want to um, prioritize your mental health because it impacts everything, your relationships, everything you do, your mindset, and if you are an athlete, obviously, when you get out there, you need to be mentally strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: yeah. yeah. And I think like what it means to be mentally strong, that seems to be changing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, just gutting it out and suffering in silence. That's, I think there's still maybe is the perception that that is like mentally strong, but um I was just having a conversation with a group today called Morgan's message. Um, and it's a mental health, a student, student athlete, mental health advocacy group. It's an awesome group. And, um, and that's one of the things we were talking about, like having these conversations and, and creating environments where, where we can talk about these things and support one another. And one of the things we were talking about was how, um, like when you're trying to like grow a tree and the tree isn't growing, you don't blame the tree, you know, you, you, you change the environment to help the tree grow. And it's, um, that's a good analogy. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Whoever said it it was great. Um, But it's the same with, with athletes. It's the same with, um, with, with teams and athletic departments. And that's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's set up the environment so that it's, that it's supportive.
0: Yeah. And I think about, and Luna, you probably have seen this in your research, all the factors that have impacted gen z in the pandemic i mean maybe parents have lost jobs maybe their home life has been disrupted maybe their parents have split up maybe they're they're from another country and they can't travel home they worry about food they have food insecurity they sleep in their car et cetera. Et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm. so
0: t- tell me about your research
2: yeah when you asked you know how our research interests shifted due to the pandemic mine took a full turn uh i was very curious about uh girls leadership initially Mm -hmm. in sport and then when the pandemic happened me and my advisor Dr. Walker were like well that doesn't really seem relevant at the moment since no one is really practicing this is when the pandemic started and the shutdown was happening and so we decided that let's take this opportunity while athletes are away from their sports and and have this very uh, strange experience and see how what comes up Sport related, but also life related. And so we yes. did um 14 different uh semi-structured interviews and then analyzed the data qualitatively. And it was very interesting because obviously, you know, pandemic was very unique and everyone was kind of confused and not sure, and there's a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, we saw these um, unhelpful patterns that were happening in the teams or, or relationship with the sport was almost exacerbated by the pandemic. So mm-hmm. as the stress went up, things were, that weren't going so well before now were even harder to handle. Yes. Um, which was one big theme that showed up, but then also at the same time, a lot of student athletes had to really rethink um, what is their relationship with their sport and, and how does that play a role in their future now that it was taken away? And so I was going to ask that for the first time you not even by choice, but you're just straight up, not allowed. (laughs) Yeah. Like who am I now that I'm not
0: able to play my sport?
2: Yeah. And so what was really interesting, what stands out to me is that, so we, we interviewed, you know, high school, uh, middle school, high school and college athletes. And, you know, a nice amount of them, um, took this opportunity and really enjoyed the liberty and the autonomy that all of a sudden was almost kind of forced on them. Um, and so initially it was this a confusion. What do I do with this time? How do I find meaning in life? But then the, the second response to that was like, wait, hold on, but there, you know, I love playing guitar, I'm just gonna do more of that. And I yeah. love reading, I'm just gonna do more of that. Or I enjoy spending time with family. That's and great. so we're really seeing that Gen Z usually does get a bad rap about being a generation doesn't cope well, but what we see in this study given the circumstances where they had to cope with adversity, they really, at least, you know, the, the sample that I had showed many, many diverse ways of coping um, and adjusting. And at the same time, like building themselves around, not just sport, but other areas. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. It sounds like they have good resilient skills that can last a lifetime. Yes. and, and, that's something that contradicts the literature that we have on Gen Z mm-hmm. um, because they're you know considered the digital natives, so generation that was born with technology. Yes. Um, and so you know every generation has characteristics. obviously we don't want to you know expect everyone to be the same. there are individual differences that are important, but at the same time, these contextual socioeconomical events that happen do shape how these kids grow up. and so Every generation has the changes. No generation is the same as the previous one. But with technology developing so fast, we also see this generation also being very different than what we've seen in the previous ones. Yes. And so you almost feel like there's a gap between what they need and what we think they need and what we can provide. Right. That's so interesting.
0: Yeah. Did you want to add to that, Tommy?
1: No, I mean, I think what Luna was, what Luna is saying is spot on and really interesting. And, um, and the, the resiliency that the participants in her study, um, demonstrated is just, I think it's a testament to, to the capacity that people have to, to grow and develop if they're, if, you know, if they're, if certain conditions are in place. And I think, um, Yeah, just people are, people are resilient if they're given the opportunity to be so. Um, And, and I'm sure there were different factors in place for these participants, but, um, but yeah, humans really do have the capacity to heal and change and grow. And I think that's, that, that was clear in in the results that, um, that Luna found.
0: It's, it's interesting because there are some talks I've given to students, to Gen Z, And I'd ask them, what are they doing to take care of themselves right now? What are the things that are working? And they would talk about, well, I took up an instrument. I'm cooking more. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing my grandparents uh, exercise. And it was really wonderful things. And I love that your research is qualitative. Mm -hmm. You're really talking to them and getting those themes. And that's just something I find so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's wonderful. And if anything as rough as the pandemic has been, I feel like it's really been a chance for people to open up instead of, you know, me saying, how are you? And then saying, I'm okay. They can really tell us how they are, you know, what's working, what's not.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because there were themes showing up as far as now that there's nothing to do School Mm -hmm. is online, sport is not happening. There were a couple of participants who were still at the university, uh, but with no sport and no classes, at least in-person classes. And so this one participant was talking about how we actually connected. And it wasn't just like you're saying, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? But it was, hey, who are you beyond being just my teammate who I row with every day or who I play tennis every day or whatever sport it is. So it was cool that This generation that is usually labeled as unable to create deep connections and relationships now that everything kind of slowed down Mm -hmm. uh, and the distractions were a little less around them, uh, they were more than capable to do that. And in fact, a lot of them valued that experience. Um, So it almost feels like the bad rep they get is as a consequence of the environment, like Tommy was saying, and not necessarily the tree, right? Blaming the tree versus the environment around it. I mean, I have to say,
0: at the beginning of the pandemic, I know, and I read a lot of research on this, and and people I know in, in Gen Z, they were depressed, they were isolated, they were anxious. There was so many unknowns, and there were missing milestones, and we lost Luna. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Am I back? There you go. Um, oh. So, I'm. Sh- were you seeing that as well? Like people were saying they were
2: depressed at first yeah i mean i I definitely think i mean as far as this sample goes um there's definitely that initial shock there's definitely Mm -hmm. that even denial that this is going to happen to me as countries and and institutions were shutting down there was that almost like yeah but that is it's it's china oh no it's in italy it's not in america and then eventually as it started happening here even you know, Oh, I heard this other university shut down. No, it's not going to be me. And so then when it happened, or oh, what do I do? Where do I go? What's, mm-hmm. what's happening? And some participants did talk about, um, so there were a couple of them who were international student athletes who, uh, lived in Europe or, or other countries. And so the, the travel home was very stressful. Um, you know, countries shutting down, flights being canceled, and then you make sure. it home and then you have to quarantine for, for X amount of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, some of these athletes who come from um, countries that are not good economic standing, you know, they may be living in a small apartment where they don't have their private space or they don't have their own bathroom. And so that definitely showed up as a disadvantage to some of these athletes being stuck at home and not just being stuck at home, but being stuck in a very small space right. uh, with, you know, big families. And so, thinking
0: they're this is not the college experience that I thought I was going to get.
2: Yes. Yeah. And. And, and I think this shows up, and I'm sure Tommy uh, experienced this too, with, with regular students, right? Uh, last semester, I worked in the college uh, counseling center, and a lot of them either lost their high school graduation or didn't have the freshman college experience yeah. or a transition from online to in-person. All of these things were definitely affecting uh, some of the signs and symptoms for sure. Yeah and Tommy what do you think and i'll ask luna this
0: as well what we can do better to have systems in place to meet the needs of students so you know i mean i i remember talking to a school and they said we have mental health week this was a few years ago and i i was like i i couldn't believe it mental health week really i feel like this has to be important as important as stem and steam and and things that have been so embraced in curriculum in schools, um, mental health has to be a top priority.
1: I agree, and and it's it's tough because the easy answer is just investment. Like we need we need more counselors, we need more
0: yeah.
1: Um, you know, we need better screening tools. We need more screening tools. We, like there's just more, more, more. It's but but I think for us, it's it's figuring out all right. This is what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the counseling center that I um, that I work at, we have two full-time people and I'm there three days a week. So that's, that's what we have. And yeah. what can we do to make, you know, to make the most, sure. make the most of it while well, also supporting the the helpers. So supporting the coaches, supporting mm-hmm. the, the the teachers, supporting the administrators, so, I mean, supporting like the counselors, yes. you know? Right. So, I mean, investment I think is the easy answer. Um, but also we're trying to get people in the door and group therapy is a great way to get people in the door and see multiple people. And um, it's been a lot of like educating, like tabling, tabling in the student center, the student union and and just like spreading the word and getting people comfortable talking about it. Um, So I've found that I've been spending some time, a little bit less time maybe in the counseling room and more time like talking to people and, um, just trying to to get not just student athletes, but just everybody, you know, just everybody, yeah. just aware of the services that we provide, That's and that, that and that they can they can come and and get services. And what they learn um, as part of a group or part of an individual therapy, they can go out and affect the world in that way and bring you know bring what they're learning into the world um, and make it like you said um, just a little bit more of a kinder, compassionate place.
0: And then when they see other students that also seek help, they'll think, wow, it's not just me. I'm glad I took this first step to see what resources are at the university.
1: Yeah, definitely normalizes it for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Did you want to add to that, Luna? I I think what Tommy is saying is super important. Uh, Even at WU, like outreach is something that they put a lot of attention in because we we need people to know what we do and Mm -hmm. and how it can be helpful. I do think, you know, like Tommy was saying, not just working with student athletes, but also people who work with student athletes. So a few days ago, I uh, we did a presentation with academic staff and just how you can support, you know, and teach, train the trainer kind of deal where yes. certain things are possible for everyone to implement. Um, so just like we have, you know, we learn about math and we learn about English, mm-hmm. learning how do, you know, how do we emotionally regulate, how do we... Um, identify certain signs and symptoms, not just in ourselves, but in people around us. Yes, um, I think is is super helpful. And it can hurt knowing that, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's cool to be living in a time where we're seeing influential people speak up about mental health. Uh, and so hopefully, I think that's a big part where sharing and being open about, you know, sharing your personal experiences and encouraging mm-hmm. people around you to um, seek help because it's, it's important. And, uh, just like physical health. it's Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you'd like people to know about your program or your research? Uh,
1: I mean, it's, it's been a great experience. I, I feel like, I mean, we're, we're definitely getting trained as researchers and, and it's research. I've definitely gained a a a huge appreciation for it because some of the things that we're learning
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and some of the questions that we're asking um, specifically about, you know, the Gen Z experience, um, college student athlete experiences, um, you know, trauma and PTSD and how those are affecting the athlete experience. I mean, those are important, important questions to ask. And by asking those questions and and getting some answers, that's kind of what drives investment. Um, And if, you know, if we know that, you know, a third of student athletes in one of the studies that I conducted reported um, post-traumatic stress disorder or screened for post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. That's really important that schools know that. Yes. Um, that students coming in, um, you know, may be at risk. And, mm-hmm. and um, if we know that, we can provide the investment that, that facilitates resources in that area. So yeah. that's, that's the big, that's the plug for our program that I think is huge. That's is amazing. That yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's been great.
0: It really is, you know. And then um, if people want more information about either one of you or want to check out the program, where should they go?
2: What's the website or? Yeah, we have a website. Um, but I also think, you know, in the on the website there, they have contact information of current students and professors and I would say we're pretty friendly, even if someone reaches out and, you know, uh, wants to talk and and just have questions. Um, We also present on conferences. Uh, Oh, good. So Tommy and I will be presenting in Italy this summer. It's a European um, organization for sports psychology. And so, yeah, that's another opportunity. That is great.
0: Mm -hmm. Because people might be listening and think, you know what, maybe I want to go into this field.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be great. More than
2: there, yeah, for sure. I mean, pandemic definitely exposed the need for therapists and and people who can help in that that whole realm. And what I think our program is unique is that it allows us to get trained in the performance side of stuff, but also mental health side of stuff. And like Tommy saying, research crucial part of of knowing and and creating new knowledge, and then also getting that applied side of things. I think it's a full package. That's how. Yes. It feels.
0: Yes. I wanted to also share with you, I think I had told Tommy this. I started playing tennis again about, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 10 months ago. And I was playing with a group every week and then a friend of mine. And um, then I got injured. I twisted my wrist. I tore my TFCC. I didn't even know what that was before I (laughs) tore it. And my ulnar, I sprained something. And so I started to get really bummed out. I'm like, Oh my gosh i'm actually depressed i can't be with my friends can't do this every week can't practice in between and i could see myself really going down and um i had to like switch my mindset and and take better care of myself and i do go to therapy which is amazing and and just be more in tune to how i was feeling and just kind of amp up my self-care
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I, that's—I I think it's—it's so—it's so cool that you had that uh, sort of like epiphany that you know how how important that playing tennis was for your mental health. I mean, yeah. and it's just getting out, being active. It's—it's, um, right. it's, but it's really—it sounds like it's also like the connection with people, and that's what's been missing over the last three yes. years. I mean, we're social—we're social animals, and yes. the connection, and what Luna was talking about, reconnecting with people, um, and reconnecting with. Yeah itself. That's so important. So I think it's so cool. um, And I hope that your risk gets better, of course.
0: I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I have one more question and then we have to wrap up, but um, social media, I know it can be good and bad. Do you you ever hear from students about how it's tough because they're comparing themselves on Instagram, TikTok, whatever? I see Luna shaking your head or nodding your head.
2: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of Students and student athletes, I worked with uh, as a therapist uh, bring up social media, especially when it comes to body image concerns and distorted eating, uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff usually is very closely tied to what they're seeing or uh, those societal ideals of how you're supposed to look like. Sure. Uh, I think it could be problematic. Um, At the same time, you know, it's hard not to mention the benefits. Of social media and, and how accessible information is and how connected we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the fact that I can talk to my family on video and that we can stay in touch is a huge, it's huge. huge help. Yeah. Uh, but just like any other tool, right? Uh, moderation is important and mm-hmm. knowing how to use it and what's helpful. Um, personally, you know, I I had Facebook. I think that's the only one I had. And eventually, I decided, you know, I think I'm just going to delete it. <laughs> and so for Good. me, personally, that was something that I've noticed, you know, it's it's not helping how I feel. It's, I'm not really connected with people anymore, uh, mm-hmm. in the way that I was hoping to use Facebook for. So that was my personal decision. Now, I'm sure that there are people out there who still enjoy it and have no reasons to get off of it. Uh, but just, you know, individually being honest with yourself and assessing, is that something that's Overall, helping my well-being or not, because it can really go either way.
0: Yeah, you know, when I listen to both of you talk about your work, I can't help but think how uplifting that can be to know that you're connecting with students, you're listening to their stories, you're you're doing this research, which is so important for people to understand what it's like to sit in their shoes in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and just to add to what Luna said too, like so, yeah, like social media can be so powerful, but it's all about like. I mean, it's the same with like, if you think about diet, if you're not consuming like nutritious foods, you know, consuming fast food for every single meal, it's, you're not going to feel good. And if you're consuming like not great stuff on social media or just on the internet in general, then it's not going to contribute to feeling great. Um, So it's more about, it's not just about social media in general, but it's about what are you consuming on social media and like, how much are you consuming of it? But it definitely shows up.
0: Definitely. So you got to balance. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Maybe at some point I'll actually get to see you in person, but this is the next best thing. So yeah. thank you so much for connecting on Outside the Box.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having, thank for having us. And thanks for Absolutely. all the work that you're doing as well. That's Absolutely. As well. Keep
0: me posted if you want to come back on. Sounds good. Right. Thanks so much.